This is The Faithful Expositor, a podcast from the preaching and teaching ministry of Pastor Jonathan Sims of Shepherdville Mills Baptist Church. Welcome to another edition of The Faithful Expositor. I'm your host, Joe Carpenter, and today I'm here in the studio on a hot summer day with Brother John O. Sims. Brother, how are you today? I'm doing great. We enjoyed the 4th of July and gave Sunday night off for all of our people to spend it with their families. And it was nice to have Monday off as well. Amen. That's a great thing to be able to take that day and rest and enjoy our family. All of our family was over at the house, and it was just a great day of spending time together and great day of worshiping the Lord with the saints. Amen. I appreciate your leadership in doing that, too. I know this is way off topic, but uh, giving us Sunday night off and giving us that Monday off, too, that that's very helpful. Amen. And, Amen, uh, brother. We really appreciate that, and I know our church family did, too. Well, this past Sunday, uh, today, in fact, our, our topic today is we're going to be talking about uh, a message that you preached this past Sunday uh, where you basically laid out the case for our church withdrawing from the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, this is something that I think we would all agree has been a long time coming. Um, it, uh, it's something that our church already, in effect, has done two years ago. The church voted unanimously to defund the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, but even prior to that, in effect, while we may have been giving money to them, there's been no real cooperation with the local association. There's been no... Uh, missions trips that have been done through NAM or the IMB or anything like that. So in effect, I think our church was already uh, way out there in that. And even in your message Sunday, you talked about how in times past, we've got a lot of good men that serve here and uh, that love the Lord and uh, they're you know very in tune with what the Holy Spirit's leadership is. And they've they've asked for years, Brother John, why do why are we sticking with the Southern Baptist Convention? We see all that's going on. We see this and we see that. And you said there in your message that you had kind of held the reins back, yeah. that you had been the the last uh, uh, wall that needed to be cleared there. And I think a lot of that is probably because you've got a really good history with the Southern Baptist Convention. Could you talk a little bit about that here? The first thing that comes to my mind, and I want to state this before I forget it, is expository preaching has done its job. When you preach God's Word verse by verse, book by book, the sheep mature. Amen. They mature and they grow. They develop discernment. They develop wisdom. They develop the ability to uh, – the wise man sees the evil and hides himself, but fools pass on and they're punished. God's people, when they're fed a steady diet of the Word of God, they grow wise and they grow discerning. Mm. And they have the ability to discriminate between light and darkness, truth and faults. Mm. And so I faithfully preached the Word of God here for 22 years. The sheep have matured. And in meetings, really for the past decade, Mm. the leadership of our church um, would say to me, you know, this is inconsistent with who we are. The, the things that the SBC is saying in some of the leadership directions that they're going in, Pastor, we don't feel comfortable with that. You know, why are we supporting this? Why are we saying we're in cooperation with them when this is not the way we function as a church? Yeah. This is not the way we operate as a church. This is These are things we don't agree with. So I, I think, you know, that the Word has done its work and God's mm-hmm. people have matured, even though this is not an issue that I pushed or yep. championed or flew a flag of. Yep. 
And over the last decade, every year when it would come to budget time, they would say, we just don't feel comfortable with this. Why are we doing this? And, you know, it was something that I would say along the lines of, you know, we've heard this all of our lives. Well, there's a lot of good going on. Sure. And there is. Uh, yes. You know, there's a lot of good men. And, you know, there's there's guys that are trying to reform it and trying to lead the, the convention in a good, steady direction. And, you know, we need they need our support. And mm. Sunday was a sad day for me. Yeah. Um, there was no joy in that at all for me. I dreaded it. Uh, I don't feel like, yay, you know, we've accomplished new ground here. It's not that at all. I told Kayla on the drive-in Sunday morning, this is like a divorce for me. Because as I said in the introduction to my message, I'm a fifth-generation Southern Baptist. Mm. On both sides of my family, as far back as I can trace, Mm. they have all been Alabama Southern Baptists. And that's all I've known. Mm. I was saved in a Southern Baptist church, called to preach in a Southern Baptist church, uh, sent to Southwestern Seminary from a Southern Baptist church, and I've only ever been a member of a Southern Baptist church. And so it hurts, yeah. and it's it's painful. But all that has happened here is our actions have just caught up with reality. Mm. The reality is we haven't been in sync with the SBC for a long, long time. Yeah. And maybe this year's convention hastened that a little bit, but I think this was inevitable even without – Nashville, but Nashville just kind of brought it to the boiling point for us of seeing this is, you know, this is not going to be turned. It's not going to be reformed. I believe it's beyond repair. And we believe it was time for us just to declare our losses and whatever and depart from even a loose affiliation with the Southern Baptist Convention, which is all that it's been for us sure. for a long, long time. You know, And you had even said in your message it, it had basically come to a point where it would be a violation of conscience to continue on with that type of an unequal yoking. That's where I'm at, yeah. is that it has just become a conscience issue for me, and I can no longer uh, proceed down a path that grieves me and vexes me and is a constant source of frustration. Yep. And that's what it's been. And i I got to be honest with you, and I know I'm getting way, way ahead <laughs> here, but I've preached that message on Sunday. Mm-hmm. We're going to dedicate a, a couple of podcasts to it. And then listen to me, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm not going to read tweets about it. I'm going to wash my hands of this, and I'm going to walk away from it. I'm going to be done. Yeah. And I'm going to go go and do what I've done for 32, 33 years, and that is I'm going to faithfully shepherd my flock of which the Holy Spirit has made me an overseer. Mm. I'm not going to give an account to Jesus for the Southern Baptist Convention. His call to me had nothing to do with the SBC. That's right. Um, I'm going to give an account to the Holy Spirit for how I've shepherded the flock Mm. that he has made me an overseer of. And I tell you that I think our pastors have got to get back to local church work That's right. and local church business, nothing the convention does is going to fix the local church. That's right. we got to get back to the church. And the local church, that's something you and I have talked about for years and years. That's the fruit that remains. That's the fruit that's uh, that remains as we're that, – that's the most important work. Jesus died do. for the church, That's brother. right, not the convention. The church <laughs> is the apple of his eye. Yeah. It's his bride. He loves the church, and he's in his church. Hmm. And we need to be where Jesus is. Jesus is at work in the church, and that's where we need to expend our energy and our effort. Amen. And before we get a little bit further on down the road in this, too, I also wanted to just bring this up, too, that 
you know, you and I have brothers and sisters in Christ who are, are choosing to remain within the convention, and we love them. Absolutely. We don't have an axe to grind here. Uh, I've said to you just a little bit ago, between both of us combined, I think we've got about 100 years of uh, experience with the SBC. And we love them. Um, yeah. I was trained in a theological in the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary as well, and grew up in a Southern Baptist church, and all of these things. And um, we love these brothers and sisters in Christ. But like you said, it's it's reached a point where we can no longer walk together with them. Yeah, I'm not trying to lead a revolt. I'm not trying to lead a revolution, brother. I'm trying to be a faithful pastor. Amen. And I love these guys, and they're my dear friends, yep. and I know they love me. Yes. We've had these discussions, and I'll, I'll continue to love them. They'll continue to love me. Um, and if their conscience is clear, then praise God, I love them. Mine is not. Yeah. And I'm not going to give an account to anybody but for my conscience, and I can't violate my conscience. And that's what's led us to make this decision now, though it's been building, like you said, for a long, long time. It really has. I wanted to start off with a couple of scriptures, too, that you had uh, quoted in your message this past Sunday. And number one, well, actually, you had started off with Matthew chapter 7, but I wanted to start with Matthew chapter 9, where you quoted Jesus said that uh, neither is new wine put into old wineskins. And that kind of goes along lines of what you just said, that... uh, uh, if it is, it says the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed, but the new wine is put into fresh wine skins, and so both are preserved. And you made the point that this is basically what we see when it comes to the Southern Baptist Convention. It's We're not in it to try to reform it anymore because doing so would be putting new wine into old wine skins. We have pumped wine and pumped wine and pumped wine into this old wine skin forever. And I said in my introduction, I I have the privilege of living in all the major dispensations of leadership in the Southern Baptist Convention. Mm. Uh, The Roy Honeycutt, Russell Dilday, Mm. liberal days of the 60s and 70s, the golden age of conservatism under Morris Chapman, Adrian Rogers, Charles Stanley, Bailey Smith, uh, Jerry Vines, all those guys whom we love and respect. Mm -hmm. And now the Russell Moore, Al Mohler, you know, J.D. Greer, uh, reformed Calvinistic uh, leaning leadership. Uh, and the one thing, the one constant in all dispensations are weak, unhealthy, unbiblical local churches that are not functioning according to the Word of God. Yeah. The sufficiency of the Scripture is not the rule in the average Southern Baptist church. Mm-hmm. It's pragmatism, it's methodologies. But it's not the sufficiency of Scripture guiding us, as the Baptist Faith and Message says, in all matters of faith and practice. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, and that unhealthy was, churches. That was the thrust of the message this past Sunday. Is right, and that leads me to the second text, Matthew seven sixteen and seventeen and verse twenty. You shall know them by their fruits. Right, and that's what we're seeing here is the fruit of all of that. You know, everybody wants to act like the great mystery is, oh, what's going to happen in the Southern Baptist Convention? Or the great mystery is, oh, you know, what's it going to become? There is no mystery. All you have to do is look at the fruit. Yeah, We've got decades and decades and decades and decades of fruit, hmm. of scratching and clawing and biting and fussing. And now with social media, it's a million times worse than it's ever been before. Hmm. And, and it's just the same mess, forgive yeah. me, over and over and over and over again. Yeah. And I'm sick of it. Yeah. I'm tired of it and I'm done. 
Um, it, the fruit is obvious. Jesus gave us the acid test. We don't have to wonder what the SBC is. Hmm. We don't have to wonder about the state of our churches. All we have to do is look at the fruit. Yep. Well, let's talk about some of that fruit. In your message, you basically gave us five fruits, if you will, of the Southern Baptist Convention today. And as we were looking at all of this and talking about the upcoming podcasts, which you said a few minutes ago, a minute ago, we're we're going to devote two or three to this at least. I don't see how we can get past the first point uh, in this one, and you gave about five subpoints to it as well. But you said the number one fruit that we see in the Southern Baptist Convention today is unbiblical and unhealthy local churches. Let's talk about that uh, for a little bit here. You've, you and I have been friends for years, and one of the things that you've always talked to me about, even when it comes to missions, is the importance of partnership with other churches who, again, have not necessarily arrived yet, but are seeking and pursuing to be biblically healthy, biblically healthy churches. Let's talk a little bit about that in the SBC. What, what are we seeing that's the opposite of a biblically healthy church? Well, as a as as a warm up to that, the the battle cry of the Southern Baptist Convention is unite for missions, unite for missions, unite for missions. Yeah. But nobody's taking a step back from that to look at well, what is the message our missionaries are giving? Yeah. What what is the message that you know the church plants that we're planting is giving? Mm. And the first thing I brought up is what I believe to be false doctrine, decisional regeneration. Mm. You know, I, I grew up in Northwest Alabama. And I was warned from the time I came out of my mother's womb about Church of Christ and how they taught baptismal regeneration, yeah. that all you got to do to be saved is, you know, be baptized for the remission of your sins. We Baptists uh, have historically done the same thing. Mm -hmm. Instead of teaching baptismal regeneration, we teach decisional regeneration. And what it comes down to is a person just makes a decision. Yeah. We've, we've dumbed salvation down merely to a human decision. Mm. And the way that manifests itself is in a lot of ways. Walking an aisle, a parroting back to a preacher a sinner's prayer, yeah. uh, and saying to it, now, did you really mean that? Yeah. You know, did you really mean that? In your heart. <laughs> yeah. And Or, you know, the raise your hand in VBS technique. Check yes. <laughs> yeah. Or the catch my eye, the evangelist mm -hmm. used to do. You know, now I, you caught my eye. And now, if you really mean that, you know, you need to come forward as if coming to a certain place in the church is a mystical portal in which God grants to you saving grace. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's just wrong headed. And so the, 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 the fruit of the Southern Baptist Convention, and these all build on each other, sure. begins wrongly in decisional regeneration. And that stems from a, a wrong theology. It does, but brother, here's the thing. <laughs> Southern Baptists have a rich theological heritage, yeah. going back to the New Hampshire Confession of Faith, mm -hmm. which we've brought over to the Baptist Faith and Message. And this is what the Baptist Faith and Message says about um, salvation, and it's the first sub-point on regeneration. And this is what I believe. Mm -hmm. Quote, regeneration or the new birth is a work of God's grace whereby believers become new creatures in Christ Jesus. It's a change of heart. Listen to this. It's a change of heart wrought yeah. by the Holy Spirit through conviction of sin to which the sinner responds. Hmm. And here's biblical words. In repentance toward God 
and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Not making a decision, not walking an aisle, not praying a sinner's prayer. There's a, the all man invented stuff. Yeah. Our Baptist forefathers understood Holy Spirit conviction, mm. the drawing of the Spirit. He brings a person to a point of brokenness. He opens up their heart like he did Lydia's. He gives them the ability to exercise saving faith. He gives them the ability to repent of their sins. It's not just standing at a particular place in the sanctuary or, you know, walking an aisle or or saying, repeating back a sinner's prayer and really meaning that in all your heart. Brother, it's a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit of God Mm -hmm. through the preaching of the gospel. And yes, the sinner responds, (laughs) but he responds in repentance and faith, which are the means of God's grace. He gives it to you. That he gives to us. Mm To come to Jesus Christ. And the problem is we, we've pragmatically dumbed down the whole issue of salvation to a human decision. And, brother, the fruit of that, yeah. and we're going to talk more about it as yeah. these build on top of each other, is churches that are packed yep. with unregenerate, unconverted people. And even people like Billy Graham and Adrian Rogers and so many others have been quoted as saying, what, 70% of the people that attend our Baptist churches on any given Sunday are not converted? Well, that ought to cause us to stop and ask some questions. For heaven's sakes, what are we doing? But we just keep coming up with new methods Mm -hmm. and new man-centered techniques to get more decisions, to get more unconverted people to pack into our churches. And that's one of the key fruits. And instead of the convention focusing all these subsidiary things. Yeah. We need to get back to the Baptist faith and message and focus on what salvation is. That's right. I'll never forget, and forgive me, my dates are a little fuzzy on this, but when I first became a senior pastor several years ago, I wanted to really get involved in the conventions, you know, and getting SBC life, so to speak. I wanted to know how the how the how the machine worked and everything. So I would attend these state conventions. I would attend the national conventions. And brother, I think it was 2009 or 2010, and I'm not going to name names. I don't know that it's necessary, but I'll never forget a resolution being brought from the floor of that convention, the state convention here in Tennessee, about the sinner's prayer resolution. Yes, I don't know if you remember, remember that. I remember very or not. well. And it was basically brought that the exact opposite of what the Baptist faith and message says that that faith and repentance are given or, or excuse me that faith and repentance are activated by you when you say that prayer i think this would almost be a direct quote and i remember it i had it on yeah. my computer for years the brother that said that said and this is as close to a direct quote that i can get yeah he said when you pray the sinner's prayer god blesses the sinner's prayer with regenerating grace yeah that is no different than the Church of Christ preacher saying, when you're baptized for the remission of your yeah. sins, God grants to you saving grace. Yeah. Brother, it's it, it's sacramental. It, it's 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 completely wrong. Yes. It is not our understanding of the saving grace of God. Yeah. It dumbs salvation down to something you do, you activate, that you cause to come to pass, rather than the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. And the fruit of it is colossal failure. That's right. That's what we see in our churches and in our denomination. Yep. When you're 
aim is off just a little bit on one side of the gun range, and it's, you know when you get later on down line down the line, fifty yards, two hundred yards, it's going to be way off, and that's the fruit that you were describing in your message. Well, Sunday. and 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 I know we're coming to that, but see what that branches out into then is if that's your theology, then you have a pr- pragmatic view of how do we get these decisions. That's then. right. Then you come up with all these techniques. For, for how we get decisions, which I think leads us to the next one. Let's, yeah, spontaneous baptisms. And I know we talked about that in a podcast just a week or two ago. Yeah. And so I won't go into the detail that I did, but I'm, you know, I quoted in my sermon the names of men, leaders in our denomination that ought to know better. Yeah. That I know have read the Baptist faith message and they ought to know better. Yeah. That, you know, promote this. A whole spontaneous baptism movement, and that is that in the moment, on the spot, right. someone that you don't know, that you've not talked to, that you have no history with at all, an appeal is made. And sure, there's some little gospel presentation given yep. to clear our consciences so we can say, oh no, we told them the gospel. And they respond to that, and they're immediately baptized on the spot. Mm-hmm. Brother, this is wrong. Amen. It's wrong. It gives false hope. It gives false assurance. And I'm fearful that it puts people's eyes on water baptism instead of the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood he shed for our sins. Yeah. And it's completely consistent with man-centered theology. It is. It's completely consistent with decisional regeneration. And that is, got to get our numbers up. Yeah. And so you have the whole thing from Easter 2020 when... You know, I've got the paper right here in front of me. Uh, Ronnie Floyd, J.D. Greer, uh, Ted Trailer, um, uh, even Randy Davis of the Tennessee Baptist Convention. And I've got this sheet in front of me that they sent out to all the churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, fill the tank Sunday. <laughs> Easter 2020, fill the tank Sunday. And we got to fill the tank, fill the baptistry, and we got to get them in there. Our, our baptism numbers are off. We got to fix this. Mm-hmm. See, that's the whole, as if we can fix this. Yeah. Theologically, how do you get your baptism numbers up? Brother, the best I know, salvation's of the Lord. Amen. Jonah 2.9. That's right. Only the Holy Spirit can make a convert. Now, if they had a, a fill the pulpit Sunday with the gospel, I'm in. <laughs> Let's have Easter and call it fill the, fill the pulpit with the gospel Sunday. Amen. And we preach the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit and pray and beg the Lord Jesus to save somebody. Amen. Then we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. But see, this, these things build because of this decisionistic, man-centered view of, of, of salvation, which is no salvation of all. Mm-hmm. Then we can morph into using all these pragmatic techniques to get more decisions. Yeah. But if you look at – which leads us to the third one, yeah. bloated membership roles. Mm-hmm. which is why I brought that up. Yeah. You know, we, we have 14 million-plus – Southern Baptist church members. But the average attendance on Sundays 4.4 million. So 30% of our people come to church. You know why? Because 70% back to Billy Graham's right. number, yeah. back to Adrian Rogers' number, 70% of them have responded to a humanistic, mm-hmm. man-centered gospel appeal. Yep. They've done what they were told to do. They jumped through the little hoop that was set up in front of them. They've never been regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, and they have no desire to be in church, yep. no desire to pray, no desire for missions, no desire for faithful attendance to the local church. But, hey, we got our numbers up. That's right. How much longer is that dog going to chase his tail? Mm. 
how mu- how much longer are we going to be on that Texas Twister there uh, of of spinning up all this flurry of activity? But the fruit of it is a colossal failure. Yeah. And what I'm saying is that until the convention starts focusing on the local churches, it doesn't really matter what they approve on the floor or what resolution they pass because our churches are sick. They are. They are. They're filled, like you said, they're filled with unregenerate people. And the sad truth is they continue to hold on to membership privileges. You know, if the time came along where they wanted to get a vote for the pastor or against the pastor, those unregenerate people can come in with full membership privileges and vote yay or nay. Oh, yeah, and just read your local obituary where the town drunk dies and is a whoremonger. But he's a member at such and such Baptist church. Faithful, faithful member at <laughs> such and such Baptist church. You yeah. know, and I know we can't control all of those things. Sure. But my point is, there's a general downgrade. Yeah. And it's been going on, brother, even before I arrived on the scene. Yeah. It's man-centered theology. It's decisionistic theology, mm-hmm. and the fruit of it. We don't need to worry or wonder about what's the state or be in some quandary about what's the state of the convention. All you have to do is look at the fruit. Why isn't somebody talking about this? Mm. We want to go and debate all these resolutions and talk about this and talk about that. But everybody's ignoring the real issue, and that is our churches are sick. Yeah. Well, it seems like the world seems to be driving the the topics of the SBC rather than the word. Right. That's good. Well, spontaneous baptisms, again, is one of these fruits that we see here of it. Uh, You gave a personal uh, illustration of that, how you had seen it. I know I've seen it as well. Uh, We, In fact, I think in the second message, you even uh, asked for a show of hands uh, Sunday morning of people who had made a decision for Christ at a young age under that type of – and it was about 80 percent of the congregation raised their hand. At least. And I was one of those. Me too. You know, brother, all I grew up on was, you know, uh, if you want to be saved, you come right now. You know, you, you if you want to be saved, repeat this prayer after me. I can't tell you the numbers of times I've heard that. Yeah. Well, what you're telling me is if I want to be saved, i got to pray this prayer. Yeah. That's all i got to do is i got to pray this prayer. And so twice I prayed that prayer. Twice I responded to those types of invitations. Twice I was baptized. And twice I was just as lost as I was before. Yeah. My life didn't change. There was no change. I would have been one of those I've just described of that 14 million. Yeah. Uh, I, I would have been one of those that, you know, just I was unconverted, but mm-hmm. I was a church member. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I shared this in the sermon. I think I might have mentioned it last week as well. Uh, one of my nieces that got caught up in one of these uh, spontaneous baptism services and went and the guy baptizing her didn't even know her name. Had to ask her her name, you know, before he baptized her. And her life hasn't changed. There's been no change for Christ. There's no discipleship. That that angers me, brother. Yeah. I said it in my message. I believe that's spiritual abuse. Yeah. That that we we play on on people and and give them a false assurance and a false hope yeah. of something they don't possess. That's right. Um. I I thought and hoped when there was some theological reform going on in the Southern Baptist Convention that maybe we were going to begin to talk about things that really matter. But you know what? It's become a hollow shell, too. Amen. And and the, the, the bottom line is this decisionism, the fruit of it, can be clearly seen as the way our churches are operating, manifested today. Yep, big time. A lot of our leaders. 
I don't remember if we dealt with this when we talked about spontaneous baptisms, but it, just in case, it may be worth discussing here just for a moment. When it comes to spontaneous baptisms, one of the things that proponents of spontaneous baptism will say is, well, that's what they did in the book of Acts. Yeah, They'll say that there was a gospel that was preached that was that was given, there was a gospel appeal that was given, repent and be baptized, and then they immediately did it. You know, there's no mention of uh, counseling or anything to that effect. What would you say to someone who holds that up as a banner for spontaneous baptism? I'd say y'all taught me in seminary that the book of Acts is a transitional book and not really where we decide the, you know, doctrine that we got our church by. Yeah. (laughs) It's what y'all taught me in seminary. And the second thing that I would say is the people being baptized in Acts had been taught their entire lives. Mm-hmm. Somebody had been counseling with them forever. <laughs> they they were Jews. Yeah, they'd brought up probably had most of the Bible memorized. <laughs> they understood the Bible backwards and forwards. Their government was based upon the Word of God. Mm. They knew what the Scriptures taught. What, what had come to them was this. Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah. He's the fulfillment of the prophets. He's the promised one. And to come to him, you repent of your sins, and you place your faith in his death and his burial and his resurrection. And then as an outward show and an outward sign and an outward display of your breaking from the Old Testament you know, uh, temple system, you're being baptized as a public declaration of your faith and your loyalty to Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. They understood the cost, and the cost was very high. Yeah. They understood what it, what it was going to mean in their lives, which would mean that they were basically an outcast, that they were cast out of the temple, probably lose their jobs, probably lose their family ties, and maybe even lose their lives. Yeah. So there was not – you didn't have to have a lot of discernment in baptizing one of these people to know that they were dead serious. Here's what I'd say. In an age of false teaching, in an age of easy believism, in an age, again, of decisionism and walk an aisle and pray a prayer evangelism, brother, there there needs to be someone sit down with this person Mm. and explain to them clearly the gospel. And to just ask them some basic questions, do you understand what it means to follow Jesus Christ as Lord? Are you willing to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him? I need to hear your testimony of conversion. You tell me you've been saved, that's wonderful. Tell me about it. I want to hear your conversion. And by the way, I want to ask you to share that testimony with our church when you're baptized. Are you willing to publicly confess your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord? And if any point along that line I see a hesitation or a lack of understanding, that's where I'm to do my job as a pastor, Mm. and I'm to teach them. Mm. You know, brother, I can't tell you the numbers of people that have come to us and said, I want to be baptized, but upon further examination, it was obvious that they did not understand the gospel, yeah. that they had not repented and turned to Christ, that they didn't even understand why they were being baptized. Mm-hmm. Under the spontaneous model, that person would be immediately baptized because there's no time to talk to them. And I just think the day and the age in which we live demands that we do a better job than that. Amen. And that leads very seamlessly right into your next point, 
one of the fruits of an unhealthy church or one of the indicatives of an unhealthy church is the fact that there's unqualified and unbiblical leadership. And it has to be, if you think about it. Mm -hmm. If you bring them in through the portal of decisional regeneration and they're baptized and they're made a member of the church, you know, the average Baptist church brother doesn't do a very thorough job. Look, if you're not going to do a thorough job on conversion counseling, right? You're not going to do a very good job on counseling with a man before you ordain him to be a deacon. Mm, that's true. Or a pastor. And so in the average Southern Baptist church, and brother, you don't have to attend more than two Southern Baptist churches to know I'm telling you the truth on this, yeah. are controlled by an ungodly deacon board mm-hmm. that has that church shut down by a stranglehold. And typically what it is, it's carnal, worldly, or lost men that have not been converted by the power of the Holy Spirit, that have now ascended to a position of authority, and it shouldn't be authority because deacons have no authority in the New Testament. They're servants. But now it's viewed in the Southern Baptist Church as a position of authority, and they control that church, and nothing moves without their approval, and everything's sifted through their fingers. And so what you've got now, brother, this is more of that fruit we're talking about. Now you've got men that don't think spiritually, that don't act spiritually, that don't have a spiritual mind, they're natural, they're carnal, Mm -hmm. that are actually in control of the church. I I believe Satan controls, literally Satan controls a number of churches because of this downgrade Uh, that we're discussing, which begins with faulty evangelism. Yeah. You and I have talked about this before. The typical process of ordination in the church today in the SBC is a joke. Yeah, You've got a man who may respond, like you've talked about, to a very man-centered, shallow, watered-down gospel appeal. That next week, he'll say, I believe God's called me to preach. A couple of weeks later, if that, he'll preach. Yep. pastor will let him preach a couple times in the pulpit. And then they'll go ahead and schedule his ordination. This man will – they'll call up all of the other churches in the local association, and these other pastors may or may not come, and they'll sit around and they'll have an ordination council, so to speak. And the questions that I had in my ordination council, brother, they were a joke. Yeah. What is your – you know, what, what are you planning? What direction do you want to take the church in? Uh, what are your plans for What's getting, your vision? Yeah. Well, how are you going to get young people into the church? Yeah. How are you going to get this and that into the – I had one doctrinal question, and it was, do you agree with the Baptist faith in Message 2000? That was it. Problem is nobody in there had ever read it. <laughs> uh, you know, you remember – and I, this just crossed my mind right now – when Derek and Tracy were saved and joined yeah. our church. They yeah. came from a church in town here, and uh, they had both made professions of faith but yeah. weren't converted. Yeah. And uh, they left their church because of a problem, came here, uh, got under the gospel. The Holy Spirit convicted them. They were both saved. Amen. Yeah. Well, he was a deacon at the church they came. And this is as close to a direct quote as I can get. He said that when they chose him to be a deacon in their church – the deacons called him before the deacon body and said, we knew your daddy. He was a good man. We believe you're a good boy. We think you'd make a good deacon. Mm, there it is. They slapped him on the back and said, congratulations. Now, that's not too much of a stretch, brother. Yeah. That kind of thing right there. I can't tell you the numbers of times I've been in a Baptist church on nominating night, mm. and nobody thought about it. Nobody prayed around. They just looked around. Oh, there's old George. I think, I, I, yeah, he'd make a good deacon. Yeah, buddy. And so off you go. And the fruit, yeah. 
Jesus said you will know a tree by the fruit it bears. I mean, when you consistently are producing bad fruit, yeah. you got to stop and ask some questions. Mm-hmm. And and you got to back up, and I think we need to go back and answer the question: What is a church? Yes, that's how far back I think we need to go. Absolutely. I think we need to go all the way back and start asking: What is salvation? Yeah, what is conversion? Mm-hmm. Because we we think we know, but practically the way we're functioning, we're functioning like we don't know. Yeah, one of the things that people will say about reasons why they want to stay with the Southern Baptist Convention is they'll say, "Well, missions and church planting." But it's like, and that was your your next subpoint here was the church plant model. I mean, we're not even asking the question here, what is a church? But we're sending these guys out who are likely, at many times, like you said, unconverted or not un or not qualified at least, and they're planting churches all over the world. But yeah. the model of the church plants that they have are not biblical, and that's one of the reasons why we can't partner with when them. When we sit down with a guy with here at Shelbyville Mills. Um, and we've known him, obviously. We've been watching him for a long time. Or when a guy comes to us in the Anchored and Truth Network, whom we partner with, with church planting and missions, we'll talk to him about the sufficiency of Scripture. Mm. Mm. We'll talk to him about expository preaching as the staple for making and equipping disciples. We don't believe expository preaching is a way to preach. Right. We believe it's the way yeah. to preach. We'll talk to him about body life through small groups. Does he understand how a small group ministry works in the church. We'll talk to him about personalized and strategic world missions. Mm -hmm. We'll talk to him about the regular and the consistent practice of church discipline. We'll talk to him about a biblical understanding of conversion and evangelism. We'll talk to him about a biblical understanding of church membership and baptism. Mm -hmm. And then we'll talk to him about biblical church leadership. Mm -hmm. And it's it's going to have to check out in those areas. And if it's not, we make no apologies about it. We're not going to partner with that That's guy. Right. Now, we're not saying he's not a Christian. Right. We're not saying we don't love him. But we're just saying we're not going to invest our time and our money to plan a church with that guy. Yeah. And, and brother, there may be a little bit of judgmentalism here on my part, and I'll just repent if there is. But the North American Mission Board sent me a flip calendar about a year and a half, two years ago, of the church plants that they were planting. And, brother... I don't know the guys personally that they're planting, but it was a hodgepodge of everything under the sun. The Swerve Church, you know, the 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 the, the Elevate Church, the Vitalized Church, and and you know, everybody says what's in a name. Well, names carry meaning, mm-hmm. and I just th- those guys. I, I don't mean this to be critical. I don't mean it to be ugly. But for the majority of them, we wouldn't even let them teach Sunday school in our That's church. Right. And we definitely wouldn't plant a church with them. Right. And I think this all goes back again to, brother, what is our understanding of a church? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What is the, What are the qualifications of a pastor? Yeah. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Wh- who is a candidate for baptism? And here's another, who can baptize? Yeah. You know, and, and it's just like a guy declares himself called, mm. and we're just obliged to, you know, plant a church with him. Mm. and. That may be oversimplistic, but I don't think too much. I think that that we just need to be cooperating. How can we? How can two walk together except they be agreed? Yeah. And brother, we we can cooperate with God only in so far as we're agreed on doctrine. Mm-hmm. That's where our cooperation is, and that's why I've decided I'm going to spend the rest of my life cooperating with pastors and churches that that we're at least in the same fence 
post with yep. on doctrine and our understanding of the gospel and conversion and you know what the word of God is. That's, that's the key difference. I remember when I first came on staff here, it was with a view to plant a church. Yeah. And one of the things that we prayed about and looked into was, well, should we should we seek support from our local, our state convention from yeah. you know North from American North Mission American Board. Mission Board yeah. and so on. So we went through the process, but the process got cut off pretty quickly. Remember they they sent me a, a questionnaire that I had to fill out. You know, which basically what qualifies you to be a church planner? And the questions were this same thing that I heard in that ordination council. You know, what's your vision for the church? How many men or women have you led to the Lord in the past week, the past month, the past year? How many baptisms have you? I mean, it's just all about the numbers. It's all about the pragmatism. Yeah, they would look at a guy like me and say, good night, he's a dinosaur. Yeah. He is antiquated. That, that model, quote, won't work yeah. anymore. And it's all about pragmatism. Yeah. It's all about who's on the cutting edge. Brother, no, it's not. Yeah. It's about who is called of God mm. and who is lashed to the Word of God and who understands the Scripture and who preaches the Word as sufficient. Truth is cross-time. Truth is cross-cultural. Truth never gets old. We don't need a new model yeah. of doing church. We need to get back to the model Jesus gave us that cannot and will not fail. Yeah. And I think that for the most part, the mission sending agencies of the SBC, that's not the way they're viewing it. Yeah. And it's evident in the models and the types of churches that they're planting. Yeah. Yep. I just can't agree with it. I can't either. I can't can't And I don't agree with it. Yep. Well, we talked a little bit about kind of the entrance into the church, church membership, spontaneous baptisms, the wrong theology that's behind that and the result of it, bloated membership roles, unqualified leadership, the church plant model that's there. But really, this is massive. One of the glaring issues in the Southern Baptist Convention today is the lack of church discipline. Right. The front door's too big and the back door's too small. Right. When it comes to church discipline, it's basically non-existent. It's considered harsh, mean. When it is uh, done, like you mentioned, I think from your pul- from the pulpit Sunday, it's just an act of tokenism. That yeah, we checked off that box. That's something we that we that agree once. with. Yeah. You quoted J. L. Dagg, who said, "When discipline leaves the church, Jesus goes with it." And, brother, if there's anything that we see in the churches today, that's it right there. Christ ain't in it. Exactly. Well, follow what we've talked about here today. Just think about the fruits that we're talking about right here. First of all, decisional regeneration. Next, spontaneous baptisms. Hmm. Uh, Bloated membership roles. And and you see, like you said, the way people are being brought in the front of the – so you've got an unregenerate – a majority of unregenerate – unconverted, unquickened by the Spirit of God, quote, members of the church, Mm. they're going to live out their nature. That's right. They're going to live out their nature. (laughs) And so when you have that deacon that you ordained uh, caught up in adultery, nobody says a word. When you have that small group leader in an immoral relationship, nobody says a word. When you have that uh, college weekend fellowship 
and alcohol was introduced, and six or seven or eight of the teens got drunk there at the, at the fellowship, nobody says a word. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because the church is so weak, the church is so unhealthy, the church is so unbiblical that if it tried to enact discipline, it would completely blow up like a, like a bomb. Mm-hmm. You know, I might have been tempted to hit the pause button if this year at the Southern Baptist Convention, J.D. Greer or Ed Litton or uh, Danny Aiken or uh, whoever <laughs> would have went to the floor of the convention and said, we need to spend the next two decades uh, encouraging our churches mm. to practice church discipline. Yeah. We need to spend the next two decades encouraging our churches to adopt a membership process. Mm. We need to spend the next two decades teaching again our people what a church is, yeah. how a church is to function, how it's to operate. We need to clearly articulate to our people again what the gospel is, what genuine conversion is. Mm. We need to clearly articulate to the churches of the Southern Baptist Convention again who a candidate for baptism is. Mm. You know, I'd have thought, well, hallelujah. I can get on board with that. Maybe we're maybe there is some hope. Mm. But do you see anything like that? No. Nothing. And, and I'm telling you that until we do, we're whistling Dixie. We're just salving our conscience and making ourselves feel good, and I'm tired of it. Yeah. I can no longer – and I don't think I have played the game. Right. I've, I've tried to lead my church to be these things, but I, I, I just I, – I can't say I'm in corpora- cooperation with a denomination that ignores what I consider to be the pillars of what a church is. Yeah. And that might lead us to our last couple of points here, and that's – you talked about that there's a disconnect between preaching and applying the Word of God. Yes. That's something that's been a glaring issue to me for many years. I've, I've heard men in, you know, in the SBC to the, that I loved and, and respected teach and preach sound biblical principles and you know just really thunder the truth. But a quick look at their church and a quick look at uh, what they're doing shows that they're not trying to apply it. Yeah. I've said for years that I think you can get away with preaching probably just about anything in a Southern Baptist church, but apply it and see what happens. Yeah. And, you know, we had this big debate, and I was a part of it, and we had this big fight over the inspiration of Scriptures, mm-hmm. that the Scriptures are God-breathed. And since the Scriptures are God-breathed, therefore they're inerrant. Mm-hmm. They, they can't err. Because they're God-breathed and inerrant, they're infallible. They cannot fail. The yeah. Scripture cannot fail. But the thing we forgot was this. But under the doctrine of inspiration and inerrancy and infallibility, then would come sufficiency. It has to be. Sola Scriptura. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Baptist faith and message says the, the Scriptures shall be our sole guide mm. Mm. in all matters of faith and practice. Now, listen to me. That is not true. Yeah. It is true. The statement's true. But it is not true in the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah. The Scriptures are not our sole guide. That's right. We give lip service to it, mm-hmm. and we parade around at the convention about it, and we talk about that we're people of the book. It ain't so. Yeah. Because all you got to do is look at the fruit. Look at the church. The fruit does not lie. Yeah. The proof is in the pudding. Mm. And I'm telling you, until we begin to speak on this level, nobody's going to listen to me. Yeah. But until we begin to speak on this level and have conversations at the level we're talking about right here, hmm. 
nothing's going to change. But see, what you do then is you marginalize people like us, yeah. and you call them fundamentalists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you put some label on them and write them off as weird and extreme and whatever, and you and you push that aside. Mm-hmm. And that that's 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 been the direction. Of, it's politics, you know, which is one of my main points. Yeah. And I know we're not even going to get to that today. Yeah. And it's playing the game and it's going through the motions. But the proof of the pudding is: Does your church? Apply the Word of God. Right. Is the Scripture sufficient? And the answer in overwhelming majority of cases, and the Southern Baptist Convention at large, is a is a whopping no. Yeah, it is not the case. And and again, I won't get too far ahead of ourselves. I believe we're at a pretty good stopping point here too. But our next podcast, it really goes along with that so well, almost seamlessly. That's why critical race theory is seen as a, quote, analytical tool that helps us to understand race, racism in America today. Well, if you don't believe the Bible is sufficient, then one guy's philosophy is as good as another. That's Just right. pick it. Yeah. And, and this that's one what seems, they did. Yeah. And that's this one's very popular Yeah, it's right cool. Now. It's the trendy thing. Yep. Uh, and I say this later on that, yep. you know, the majority of people at the Southern Baptist Convention probably didn't know what they were signing on to when they agreed to resolution number nine, yeah. but the leaders did. And they're trusting their leaders. The leaders did. You know? yeah. And we've had two years to think about it now and mull it over, and nothing's been done about it uh, in a substantial way. Yeah, And that all goes back to the sufficiency of Scripture. It does. Sola Scriptura. Right. <coughs> well, brother, I think we've hit a good point where we can bring this to a close, and I would encourage our uh, listeners to go back and listen to the message that you preached this past Sunday called Departure from the SBC. And I would also encourage you to uh, continue to listen to the next two or three podcasts where we're going to continue to deal with this issue. Um, Brother Jono, do you have any final thoughts on this before we close it out? Well, I don't have anything to gain or lose here. You know, I'm not trying to lead or, uh, uh, you know, promote or incite anything. Amen. The only thing I'd say is this, brother. Uh, it, there may be a lot of people that write me off, and that's fine, and I'm okay with that because, again, I'm gonna pastor my church. Yeah. But uh, before you do, I would just say, you know, that um, I've been a pastor for 33 years, been a Southern Baptist for 57 years, mm-hmm. and um, you know, this is we're just not some fly-by-night idiot out here that's mad and frustrated and throwing a bunch of stuff out. Um, we got real problems. Mm-hmm. And y'all may not listen to me, but who are you going to listen to? <laughs> and when is somebody going to stop and begin to ask the right questions? Yeah. And until that happens, um, nothing's going to change. Uh, it's just political wrangling, yeah. and it's going to be more of the same until we get back to where Jesus is, and that is the local church. Yeah. It's just doesn't matter. It's just irrelevant. It's not going to change. And Amen. Uh, so I, I just would challenge any brother listening, devote your heart, life, soul, and strength to shepherding the church God has placed you over and seeing that church be a biblically healthy church and all that it means and fight your fight right there. Amen. And if that's something that uh, really speaks to your heart, then I'd invite you to contact us. We would love to hear from you. We'd like to join together with you. We'd like to help you out along the way. and. Uh, We just want you to know that we love you very much, and uh, we pray that these podcasts will be a benefit to you too. Amen. Amen.
Thank you for listening to the Faithful Expositor. For more information on Brother Giano's ministry, go to our church website, smbconline.com, and follow him on Twitter at Giano Sims.